Blog Talk Radio. Well, I think Sean is sleeping off his July 4th uh, bender still. And so the radio show right now is just me. Uh, assuming Mr. Palmer will be calling in Seth and Sean Sports Radio uh, on Blog Talk Radio. And it's probably about our 400th show. Good Lord. We've been doing this a long time. Um, you know, quite a bit to talk about. You know, a crazy weekend in sports. Talking, you know, starting with you know, the Kawhi Leonard shocker, which I was woken up at 5:15 in the morning uh, by our, the president of the, I guess, the owner of that sports page, Randy Zelia. Text messages going back and forth. I really didn't need to know about it at 5 a.m. Um, I'll be honest with you, it wasn't exactly a. I don't need to know about anything at 5 a.m. unless my kids waking me up, but. It was it was shocking and unexpected. And you know, the question that has been brought up, I just don't see it. But if, if this is the game that he played, God bless him. Um, that uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, obviously signing with the Clippers, is bringing over Paul George. I don't want to say screwing over Toronto and LA. That's probably not the right way to put it. But the question is, did he keep the Lakers and Fox to preclude them from getting any of the big-time free agents? And sorry, Sean will be calling in momentarily. And if I can ever get back onto the, there we go. Um, because by the time he signed, think about it, everybody is gone. So you're, you have you have Rondo, you, you sign Danny, you over you overpay for Danny Green. You get you know to be fair, you get Marcus on a three minute and a three million dollar purchase, a three million dollar deal, which is uh, even Sean I think would admit would be a pretty was a pretty good deal under any circumstances. I was figuring that you were recovering from your July Fourth bender, Mr. Palmer. No, no bender, just uh, uninformed as to what time we were starting. But I am happy to report that I am back in Atlanta. What is this $200 million deal we're talking about? $200 million. I said $3 million. I, you... I said... Oh, what is, what no, is this $3 million deal? DeMarcus Cousins? Yeah, that's $3.5 million. I said you win. I, that was a lot less than I was anticipating. Well, DeMarcus Cousins basically found himself without a team and without a market. I mean, more than anything else, there are very few teams in the NBA that were left with money. And when the, I think DeMarcus Cousins was more rooting for the Lakers to get Kawhi Leonard so there would be an open spot, perhaps, with the Clippers. And the Clippers probably needed, had more, they definitely had more money, and they would have had a spot. With the Lakers, there was no spot, and there was no money. So once once Kawhi picked there, and then Paul George went there, and there's a whole lot of other things. And I got to tell you, Sam Presti, again, amazes me, Seth. Amazes me with everything. Yes, he traded James Harden a, probably a little too early. Yes, he lost probably. Durant. But probably. You know what, though? Let's imagine that, Ke- that James Harden is on that team. Let's, let's do some revisionist history. 
do you have James Harden? So you so they would trade Serge Ibaka, right? That was the decision. It was between Ibaka mm-hmm. and and James Harden. So would Harden and Westbrook have been able to coexist? It would have, there never there never would have been a shot in the front court. The right. front court would never would, would have games where they did not take a shot. Not only would they not have a shot, they wouldn't have any players because they would have been capped out with basically Durant, Harden, and Westbrook. Not only capped out, but in the luxury tax with just those three guys. So I'm not really sure that Presti made the wrong choice in trading Harden. Now, if it was trade Harden or Westbrook, okay, I can, I can go with that if somebody wants to say they should have traded Westbrook. Okay, yeah, I can live with that. Live with that. But if it was between Abaka, who took basically $16 million, or Harden that wanted a max deal, I don't think Presti went wrong here. And well, the problem is what, you kind of have to look at it. You have to look at it from a revisionist point of view because in the in the seven was it since Durant left, they have not won one. I don't think they've. Won, I think they've won three playoff games. And I don't now. I don't remember off the top of my head if when Oklahoma beat when Oklahoma City should have beaten Golden State, whether Harden was still with the team or not. I just, I just, I just don't remember. Um, if because they've been relatively a, media, a, a better than mediocre regular season team, a below average team, playoff team for the last three, four, five years since that debacle. I forget again. I forget if it's fourteen or fifteen. Um, it's hard not to look back and say, well. You had Durant. You had now again. I don't know if Durant stays. If hard, I don't. I don't know how, from a salary cap standpoint. I understand your point. It would have been a very difficult keep. Um. But is Sam Presti? Is Sam Presti? Now I think Sam Presti got an incredible amount of money, amount of capital for Paul. Church. I actually think they got the better end of the deal. Um. But does he get a little bit too much credit? You know, he, his drafting has not been sensational. I mean, other than Westbrook, to take Kevin Durant at number two was a no-brainer. James Harden was the best player in the country at Arizona State. Has he gotten a little bit too much credit? Because none of the other players have really have, have, have massively turned out. I'm not saying even at that level, but even at the secondary or tertiary level. Well, okay, so I'm going to go through Oklahoma – Oklahoma City's draft picks, because I think it's it's kind of important if we're going to make that claim to see where we're coming from. So, Oklahoma, so Presti has been there from the beginning, I believe. Correct? He he was the he was their first. Okay, so the last pick, so his first pick was Durant was Westbrook. Okay, so in 2008 he picks Westbrook and Ibaka in the first round. Not bad. Okay. No, in the second, and in the, nobody in the had Westbrook going that early, so all credit to him on that. Correct. Okay, in 2009, he picks Harden in the first round, and he picks Roger Boubsois, who went to Dallas. Not a, again, too, 
two pretty good picks. Maybe not, maybe not necessarily for Oklahoma City, but as we're just talking about is drafting right now. We're not talking about trades. Wait, who, so sorry, let's who keep going. After, who did he take after? Who did he take after Hartley? The the point guard right. that went to Dallas and the point just guard. got hurt. Like, yeah, the point guard. Yep. Okay, so let's keep going. So in 2010, he picks Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, and Craig Brackens and, and Quincy Poindexter in the first round. Okay. Well, if you're looking at win shares, which I guess is, is where we can look at this as far as a, a fine line, and as far as just some, some comparison, Harden's got 121 win shares. Uh, Westbrook's got 96. So that just gives you some comparison. Bledsoe has 37. Craig Brackens went minus 0.2. And then Quincy Boydexter has 9.7. Okay. I mean, not horrendous picking 21 and 26 with Brackens and Poindexter. 2011. Well, Brackens Jackson. I don't think Brackens. I don't think Brackens was in the pros for more than a, more than a, a, a cup of tea anyway. Uh, Poindexter's right. had a only, decent career as an eighth or ninth or tenth man. Right. Okay. 2011, Reggie Jackson. Win shares of 28. Again, not, not, not horrible here. Let's go to 2012, Perry Jones. Okay, that's a miss. He picked Perry Jones 28th overall. When you're dealing with the 28th pick in the first round, you're not, you're not really grabbing starters at that point. Okay, 2013, he picks up Steve Adams, who has 38 win shares, and Archie Goodwin, he picks up with uh, pick number 29. Now, recently, you can – recently, Seth, I, I agree with you. Up until 2013, he's got a pretty good track record going on. He does. 2014, he picks Mitch McGarry and Josh Quistis. Ustis. Josh Quistis, who, who's been sensational as a European player, but never made it. Okay. Before. 2015, he picks up Cameron Payne, who was traded, and Dakari Johnson, who really did nothing. 2017, he didn't have a pick in 2016. In 2017, he picks up Terrence Ferguson, who in two years already has two, uh, four win shares. Not horrendous. And then in 2018, he picks Det- – he didn't have a first-round pick. And then 2019, he picks up Brandon Clark. I don't think that's a horrendous draft record. In fact, no, I think it's a very it, good draft record. He's certainly not the Jerry Reese of the NBA. Um, I was I was more kind of hypothesizing a little bit, just because Presti has gotten so much credit over the years, and at a certain point, I I wonder if you know the team has has made one final with three of the biggest talents yep. of the last fifteen years. They've made yep. two conference finals, as far as I can. No, I could be off, but I only remember them making one other conference final. They've had, you know, they've had. The best, one of the three best players of the last 15 years in Durant. They have Harden is a, Harden is a top player in the league. Westbrook was a top five player in the league. Abaka was a borderline all star. George is an all star. 
and they've now again they had George for two years, so I understand. Um, and this really wasn't where I was planning to go with this, but it, it's an inch, just kind of it's just more hypothesizing than anything else. I was saying I woke up to Randy Zelia texting te- te- in this group text about this at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning. I was stunned to read it, but not ecstatic to read about it at 5 at 5 a.m. Um, I, 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 but so, but, well, my so I'm going to this is what I hold on. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to take a little umbrage to to your statement. Because I agree with everything that you said. I agree that Ibaka's a, a soon-to-be all-star, Harden's a top-five player, Durant's a top-five player, and Westbrook's a top-ten player. I'm with you on all of it. Paul George is a top-ten player. The problem was none of those happened at the same time. Harden, Harden averaged 16 points his last year in Oklahoma City. He jumped to 25 in his, next, in his next year in Houston. Yes, Durant was a top-five player, but Westbrook was not at the time, nor was Harden. Abaco became I, an all-star, maybe at the same time, but the, the point is all those players individually, you are 100% right, are top talents, but they weren't top talents at the exact same time. So Westbrook was a top talent. I disagree with Westbrook and Durant. Westbrook just didn't get the statistics because he couldn't. Both him and Durant couldn't. Get, couldn't. You just couldn't get that many statistics. But Westbrook was already established as a top five to ten player in the game at that point. And Harden, the whole thought was he was going to be a top five to ten, that he was a top player player in the league. He just wasn't getting the time. Hence, why he wanted to, right. to be traded. Um. But the point is, so you couldn't get, you couldn't, you couldn't materialize all three talents at the same time. It just wasn't going to happen. At the same time, in, I understand. In, in, and I think that's, I in any place. that's valid. Yeah, I certainly think that's valid. Um, but my, my question, and this was something that had been posed kind of almost of an urban conspiracy. Did Kawhi Leonard delay the pick to the Clippers? So knowing that the Lakers would hold out and miss off on other free agents waiting to see what he was going to do. 100%. Is he that devious? I believe that that is 100%. And why shouldn't he? And you know, the funny thing is, it, this is the exact same argument I had with John Tavares couple a couple of years ago where I said he didn't want to be he said he want, didn't want to be traded at the all-star break because he didn't want the Maple Leafs to give up players where he was going to go eventually now there is one big difference between the two why never said I'm going to the Lakers I'm going to go to the Lakers I'm going to go to the Lakers he said it's open Tavera sure. said I'm coming back I, I want to stay in Long Island there's a big difference between the two that that's the difference, but I absolutely think he held off, hundred percent. I don't think that's devious. I think that's smart basketball. I think it's smart sense. But does this once again, if he did, and no one's really going to ever know the true answer to this. Now, do you think? Because it, it does look like, based on what we read, it ended up being he was playing the Clippers against the Raptors. So it does look like the Raptors were in this. 
um, because Paul, he had talked to Paul George. Paul George had agreed to go to Toronto, although the preference for both is L.A. Um, would a more experienced GM have smelt this out on the Lakers? So speaking specifically of Rob Polinka, should he have smelt this out? Yeah. I, I don't think there was – when? So let, let's understand when all these guys signed. They all signed in, the, what, the first two days, right? So would you have smelled it out before the first meeting? I don't know. The thing that I understand and the thing that I've read, the same as you have, is that Kawhi said keep your mouth shut, and Magic Johnson decided not to do that. So is that part of it? I I don't know, and I'm quite frankly I don't think that the the yes Sam Presti played the the Raptors against the Clippers, but I don't think the Raptors were. I think that's a nice story at the end for Kawhi to say, yeah, you know, we, we Paul George and I would have gone to, to to Toronto. I don't think they ever would have gone to Toronto. No chance. None. Zero. Why would Paul George go to Toronto? It does seem a little ludicrous to me. I read that and I was like, I smell a whole lot of BS here. I think that's re- I think that's the feel good idea, right? We, we, you know what? We would have gone to Toronto, but they didn't have the amount of picks, so they couldn't make the trade for Paul George. But I had to go to LA because I couldn't bring Paul George to Toronto. Toronto had nothing to give. Nowhere close to what? I mean, they would have had to give up Siakam. They would have had to give up OG. They would have had to give up every single piece of their youth. They would have been, after next year, they would have been torn down. That would have been the end. And I, and I can't guarantee anything, but my thought process is, all right, so Kawhi would have, would have gone back to Toronto if he was, if this is true which I'm not saying it is, but if it is true, and we take Kawhi at his word. So he signs what? A two and one, which is the same thing that Paul George has. And in three years, they both go to LA and leave Toronto high. And I mean, high and dry because they take every single piece of youth to get Paul George, which is what LA gave. I love, I think LA, it was interesting because when I heard the trade, much like you, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, I rolled over in Maine, and I saw this, and I was like, wow, what, is, what do the Clippers have left? Surprisingly, the Clippers have a lot left. I was actually surprised by how much talent they still have. They still have Lou Williams. They still have Landry Shamit. They still have Ivan Zubik. These are not top ten players, but they have the sixth man of the year in Williams. You know Kawhi and, and George are going to play defense. They have a pretty good – I mean, they're the favorites right now in the NBA. I'm a little hesitant. I, I honestly don't know who the favorites are at this point. Um, yeah, they also signed Beverly. I mean, that's you know that's one hell of a trio yeah. for, from a perspective. It is kind of – you know, and Jerry West has been getting a lot of credit for this. And 
I, 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 I hate to kind of disparage the logo, but I'm not quite sure why. Um, they did not go there because of Jerry, because of Jerry West's convincing. They went there because they wanted to be in L.A. Let's call it what it is. And okay, so it was, here's, what, here's why you can say a little bit about Jerry West, right? And I'm not saying Jerry West brought him there, but maybe without Jerry West, they don't go there because the entire – like, okay, so the Clippers 10 years ago don't get either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, right? I mean, Absolutely. Donald Sterling. Agreed. Right? That's never happening. So over the last five years, with Lawrence Frank, Steve Ballmer, Doc Rivers, right, they have, they have stabilized that team. And in you bring yes. Jerry West. And that's not to say that Jerry West brings Paul George. But Jerry West is basically the stamp that your organization is amazing. Right? You yeah, look at yeah, all, the, yeah. all the places that he's done. What's that? It has, he has credibility. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean – Let's let's think of the the pieces that he has brought in. With the Lakers, he brought in Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. With Golden State, he brings in Kevin Durant, and with the Clippers, he brings in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. There's nobody else that can state that. Maybe Red Auerbach, but that's right. when free agency that's didn't exist. But here, but here's like right. the question: Still wanted to be in L.A. Yep. Kobe pretty much said he wouldn't play in Charlotte. These are, I mean, this is, yeah, see, they brought in these things, but I'm not sure if this isn't more happenstance than anything else. Um, now, Kevin, did Kevin Durant go to go, go now, look, the Lakers should have offered West. Yeah, I'm here. The Lakers should have, okay, the Lakers should have offered Jerry West. Can you not hear me? Hello? Yeah, you're every other word. Is. Well, weird. Yeah, okay. I'm here. Um, the Laker, what I was saying was the Lakers should have offered Jerry West a golden contract, a lifetime deal 25 years ago, 30 years ago. The second, pretty much, he retired based on what you're he was gone again. a person in a Oh, God damn it. Okay. Um, can you hear me over here? Can you hear me now? Yep. I can hear you okay. now. For the third time, what I was saying was that I don't know if West, yes, West brought in Kobe. But Kobe said he wanted to play in L.A. You know, Charlotte yep. traded, you know, made it, you know, Shaquille. Now, did he recruit Shaquille or did Shaquille want to play in L.A.? You know, Kevin Durant, yeah, he was consulting for, for the Golden State. And, yes, it brings credibility. But Kevin Durant didn't go to Golden State because of Jerry West. He went because he wanted to play with Curry and Thompson and Green. So sometimes I wonder if, ooh, if West gets a little bit more credit than he should. And look, he's the logo of the, of the, he's the, logo of, of the NBA. He was at one point the greatest shooting guard of all time and is still probably, in my mind, number two or number three. Uh, it's not meant in a, in a negative. I just wonder at a certain point, you know, it, it's been more happenstance than anything else with him as a GM. Okay, so there Slash are a couple control. of things. I agree with you. 
I agree with you. Probably more happenstance than anybody else, but he's been in the right place at the right time, all the time. Yes. And what? And as far as Shaq is concerned, he facilitated that trade. He found a way to make it happen when nobody thought it would happen. Kobe, Kobe's a little different story. I get it. Durant, look, he took advantage of what was happening, right? I mean, he was, yeah. like I said before, it may be happenstance, but he was the happenstance. He happened to be there. So, and yeah, nobody look, else has been able to do it. So, so does he. Luck is a residue Right, of so does he get. I get it. Right. Does does he get too much credit? Perhaps. But I'll tell you, I don't think there's a more influential person in NBA history than him. I thought about it the other day. I was like, if you can name one other person in everything, start to finish, that's been more influential than him. Because I don't think there is one. Jordan is. Bill Russell, maybe? No. Jordan. Because because of because of what he, because of what he's done for Nike, it's Jordan. That's true, and he owns the team now, so you can make that case. Okay, so let's, yeah, let's put Jordan. Not, not no, but he, he became the first African American owner. He became the first no, African American owner. He act- Robert Johnson was. Oh, that's right. He became the first player that became an owner. Yes, yes. I don't know. I don't think there's another play. I, I think he's the first well, player. Anyway, Jay, you're right. Well, hey, Jay Z's a pretty big player, and he owned the net. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, that was anyway, that was good. Nah, not really. Uh, so, anyway, Ooh. so so Demarcus Cousins. So so the Lakers are now looking at a team. And we have, what, three months to talk about this. But the Lakers decided it, it was an about-face to what they did last year, right? Last year they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to surround LeBron with all these guys that can run up and down the court. And they played the fastest they have – LeBron played the fastest last year that he has ever played. He also suffered a quad injury, which is the worst injury he's ever had. Now, this year, they all of a sudden say, okay, that didn't work. So we're going to go another direction, and we're going to grab a whole lot of shooters. And we're going to get Jared Dudley's. We're going to get um, – sorry, I'm, I'm blanking on the people that they signed. I know uh, they signed Danny, Rondo, but Danny. he doesn't count as a shooter. Danny, Danny, Danny Green. Right. Not Danny Green, not Danny Granger. Wow. I am back a couple of decades. Danny Green? Um, Jesus. Yeah, and they're probably wind up getting Iguodala on a buyout, or Kyle. Sir, I believe they'll certainly get Kyle Korver, which I'm not sure is a plus anymore, but certainly somebody that can shoot the ball. So they're going in the exact opposite that they did last year, which I think will result in better a better record, provided that LeBron and Anthony Davis stay healthy. Because if they don't stay healthy, then your ball handler has all of a sudden become Ray John Rondo again. And that's not very good. And they don't have well, as a shot ball creators. Well, I mean, as anything, they don't have shot creators. They only have shooters. None of those, pe- none of those players I just mentioned c- can create their own shot. Not one of them. Yeah, so it's a matter of 
So it's a matter of you need LeBron distributing the ball. And then if he gets hurt, you have a, you have a humongous problem. Yeah, that's asking a lot from a 37-year-old with the amount of minutes that – or 35, whatever he is. Well, he came out in 03. He was graduated high school in 03. So, see, he puts him in 85. So, he's, he's only 33 years old. That doesn't seem right. He's got to be the oldest 33-year-old in the world. Um, hmm. Sorry, I'm – he, he, he's played 15, 16 years between playoffs and, 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 and championships and NBA finals and stuff like that. He's not a, and as, as amazing a passer as he is, and I've always said he's a better he, – he, he was a progressive magic. Now, the comparison to Michael really didn't make as much sense to me as it did as a magic. But if you're going to move the ball, you're going to have to be in that kind of shape to do it. Ugh. I, I don't like it. Um, I don't like – you know, as a – He's going to be the start, supposedly the starting point guard. That's going to be the actual position. And I don't know. We'll see. Just like everything else, we'll see how it plays out. We have a long time to, to speak of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, look, it's never dull. It's, it's never dull in the NBA. That is what has really been what has happened in the last few years. Is it just twelve months a year? Interesting. To talk to a sport, to transition to a sport which I don't quite find as interesting, but I know you do. Are you going to watch the All Star Game tonight? Nope, no interest, absolutely zero. I didn't, I didn't even. Well, I wasn't even around for the home run hitting contest, which may be the Mets' best moment of the entire year. But no, I, of the I, year. I will, I will. Oh yeah. Couple. Well, oh okay, fine. But until you just said that, I forgot that the All-Star game was even on tonight. Even, I'll tell you, even as a kid, I wasn't interested in the All-Star game. What I was interested in, and, and maybe I'm still interested in it, is the lineup introductions. And maybe I was more interested in it when I was a kid because you didn't get to see every player all the time on TV. So when you saw Robin Yount of the Brewers, you were like, wow, there's Robin Yount. Now, first of all, the Brewers are in the National League. Second of all, I see Christian Yelich every night if I want on SportsCenter, which I didn't have as a kid. So I was really, really interested in seeing when they announced all the players. Now, here's an interesting stat for you. So between the lineups, the rosters, and the injured players, 10% of all Major League Baseball players have been all, are All-Stars this year. Does that seem like a lot to you? That's obscene. I did not know yep. that. That's amazing to me. There are over 70 players that have been either will either be in the game tonight, on the roster tonight, or were injured so they were not on the roster. 70. To me, that's, that, that, that's just way too much. But I, you know what, though? When you look at the – when you look at – hold on. When you look at the uh, – at basketball. So let's say that there are 15 players on every team, right? Yeah, 15? 
Yes. So 15 yes. times times 30. So that's 450 players. Four, 450. There are at least 30 players on in the game. In the, yep. in the All Star game, and let's say let's say five from each side get hurt, so that's 40. That's about 10 percent. I mean, it's a little less. It's probably eight percent, but you're in the same ballpark, aren't you? And once you get to the Pro Bowl and 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 football, I, I think you're well over yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that, that was that was the comparison I was going to make. I mean, if 10 percent is a lot, think of the quarterbacks that have made the Pro Bowl over the last couple of years. Yeah. It's obscene. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe I'm maybe I'm making too much of this, and ten percent is actually low. <laughs> but it, it just geez. seemed a little. It just seemed a little nuts when I thought about it. Now we're doing the math, and in most sports, I guess ten percent is an all-star. I mean, right? Fifty percent is, is average. So yeah, you're in the you're in the minus. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You're in the top. I wouldn't know. I didn't, I, guess. Many, I didn't see too many. I didn't see too many A minuses in my day. So, um, I was more in wow. the seventy or eighty percentile. No. Yeah, I was about to say, don't, ladies and gentlemen, he wasn't in the A percentage either. Um, <laughs> but remember, I manage. I manage people's money, so that's okay. <laughs> so, so, so let's talk so, about the biggest event of the year. At least in sports so far. Oh, I it's thought we the one that. where we're going to. We're going to. I figured we yeah, get we're to that transition. Okay. No, no, let's transition over. So the biggest event okay. of the year. In a sport where I barely watch any of it, but did watch the finals. With a team that may be the best ever, and I I say that with. I say that with very little hesitation when normally for me to say that a team is the best ever in their sport is high praise. I don't think I've ever said that about any team in any sport, including team or any warrior team or any bull team, because I think it's very, very difficult to judge teams based on history. But this women's national team, first of all, gold medal, World Cup, all that other jazz. But, Seth, they, there was no choice in this game. Like, this game was dominated 100% by the Americans. Unfortunately, for the first half, I have to tell you, I thought that they were going to lose. I really did. I thought that they had, they had played so well that there was just going to be – and the goalie for the Netherlands was playing really well and got really lucky a couple of times. But I thought, you know what, just one counter, right? One counter, one goal, that could be the end of this, and that would take away from everything that they've done so far. But they were extraordinary. They controlled that game start to finish. They did, and the game should have been much more than 2-0. Um there were a bunch of opportunities in the first half. And after the second goal by Rose Lavelle, who I think is the best player in the world, um, the game really opened up where Holland was forced to kind of push forward, which led to an exorbitant amount of, contra, of counters. And 
unfortunate, you know, not unfortunate or unfortunate. Pretty much, instead of taking shots, they were really the U.S. was really just running time. I mean, Tobin Heath had a couple one on ones, one on twos, two on twos, and yeah, just really didn't push it that hard because I don't think they ever really felt that threatened in this game. And the funny part is, none of this two in a row. This probably this should have been three. They lost in 2011 to the Japan in the finals on a shootout. And they put five shots off the goalpost in the finals. They were extraordinarily unlucky to lose that to lose that one. And you know this team, led by Megan Rapino, led by Alex Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, Jake. Okay. So I'm sorry. I had to pause because Jake wanted milk. Anyway. Um, you know, beat five European teams back to back to back to back to back. And they, you know, it's easier to call them the greatest team of all time because really you don't go back that far. You know, the reason you can say this unequivocally is the first World Cup was 19, Women's World Cup was 1991. We may not have paid attention, but we were around for it. Yeah. Soccer kind of. Its initial apex, its initial initial interest in '99, the Randy Chastain goal against China, and since then they've been, you know, and I don't know how long it'll last. The way the Europeans seem to be building in women's soccer, I have a feeling it won't be for much longer. But what an amazing team! What a bunch of class acts, and you know, and then, but it, it still shows the the supposed inferiority of the women's game. You have a women's World Cup on a Sunday, and then you have the Copa Americana final in the afternoon, and you have the Gold Cup final, which is the North American final for the most part at night. You know, you can't. It's once every four years, and you can't even give the can't give you can't even give the World Cup their own day. That's ridiculous. And well, I have I have a couple of I have a couple of things here. So number one. During the post-game press conference and I, a post-game um, wrap-up show, and look, there's a lot of an inferiority complex going on, or it's been taken to men get more, women get less, and that's 100% true when it comes to this because the women, the World Cup, made more money for the U.S., and yet they're paid 10% of what the men do, if not less. But let's get to another thing. And Seth, I had talked to you about this when it happened. I know you couldn't get sound. But the woman announcer, and I don't know her name, and she she said, Allie Wagner, and I'm going to get up what I said to Seth because I don't want to misquote this, because I said it in real time. She said, what an adorable bunch of players. Are you kidding me? I, and, and Wait, um, the woman said this, or the the woman said this, or the guy said no. this. I don't. I don't remember. It might have been the guy. I remember you. T- I, I I don't. And again, I'm not saying that's. I don't really know how to respond. I, when you texted it to me, I was. I had the game on silent. My. So I wasn't. The kids were running around. I wasn't watch. I didn't watch the post game. 
it is a very. I believe it was the woman. I, 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 I don't remember, but it doesn't matter who said it. It's awful. It's first of all, you don't say anybody's adorable unless they're a five-month-old baby. But the word adorable is to me sexist. It's demeaning. When you're talking about grown-ass women, it is it totally took away from all the enjoyment of that game to me and, and the celebration. But I want to talk to you about something else. And, again, this is something that we talked about on Facebook while the game go, went on. I hated the penalty that resulted in the first goal. Hated it. I hated that they called for a replay. I hated that they stopped the game. I hated that they eventually called for a penalty shot. And believe it or not, I hated the fact that the U.S. scored the goal. I was actually rooting for the, for the Dutch goaltender to save it because I didn't think it was appropriate. And we talk all the time about that replay is used to correct wrongs. I get that. I do entirely. Wow, Jake's agreeing with me. But no, Morgan's at a certain you. point, Morgan's agreeing with me. But at a certain point, Seth, don't you believe that the game just has to be the game? I yeah. hated it. And it's been a controversy the entire uh, World Cup. Not that he used video replay, but to use it in retro, use it pretty much retroactively. I don't per se disagree with the penalty. He did kiss the kicker, purposely or not, um, the boot to the body. But I felt I, I I I wasn't surprised by your reaction, and I was kind of hoping that would not be the game-winning goal. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I was rooting for them to to save it because I wanted to see the U.S. women win. And they are the best team in the world. It's certainly not from some massive patriotic or nationalistic view. Um, but I don't like that they can do this, you know, a minute or two minutes later and then go back. Either call it or don't call it. I like video replay for the goals. Or to yep. confirm it went over the line. That, to me, is a no-brainer. For penalties, it's a slippery slope. There's human, you know, you have human umpires, you have human officials. This is make the call. Live the and again, I, again, it's a slippery slope because because this is what we talked about in New Orleans this year. You know, should should VAR been used to over, you know, to rule that as pass interference? And now they're changing everything around. It's a very dangerous slope. Um, so I completely understand where you're coming from on that. And we're going to talk about this, just like Seth said. I guarantee you, we will talk about this when the NFL season starts. Because they are going down a tremendously slippery slope here. Yeah, I didn't like the, the lack of the pass interference. I really didn't. But you know what? I'm one of those guys that, that – thank you, Morgan. I'm one of those guys that really does not like instant replay. I don't. I, I Fred, I don't like it in hockey. What's that? 
you don't like it for a goal standpoint. That to me is different. I can get a goal is a goal. I can get past it with a goal. I can get past it with a goal. I really can. For hockey, for bas- for for basketball, if the if the ball is in the net, if the ball has left the guy's hands, if there is a not a subjective measure. Because a penalty is a subjective measure. Yes. A goal is a goal or a goal is not a goal. It's it's black and white. There's no subjectivity whatsoever. And to me, I'm okay with things that are not subjective. Maybe that's my black and white theory. And that's, I mean, look, I live a lot in the gray when it comes to my life and, and the law. But outside of the law, I really do like things very finite, very black, very white. And I think that this is one of those cases where I don't like ambiguity. And I... I was watching the game with my friend Brian, and I said, I, I hate this. I don't even think they deserve to win if that's the only goal that they score. Because I really thought that it was such – the word travesty is the one that's coming to my mind, but it wasn't a travesty. It actually was a penalty. No. But, re- but yeah. retroactive stuff doesn't work for me. What, what, if the ball, what, what if the ball didn't go out of bounds? It went – 10 more minutes in the game and then all of a sudden, that's what they do in hockey. It's an offside, yeah. right? We replay it. The goal that may have been scored after the offside doesn't count and they can replay it at nausea. And no, no, and especially when this is not a challenge, at, at least when you have a challenge to me, there is some strategy involved, right? I'm going to use the one challenge on this one part. It may work. It may not work. This is the ref being buzzed up from, from this is exactly what will happen in the last two minutes of every NFL game. That's the best way I can describe it. This, will be an, this was an NFL game in the last two minutes. They're being buzzed up. They're being told we're replaying, and there's a penalty involved. So it results in a goal. I, I hated it then. I hate it now. And unfortunately, because it was 2 nothing, they won't talk about it anymore. If it was one nothing, I think that this would be a major subject to discuss. I, I do think because of the overwhelming popularity of the U.S. team, and the dominance that they showed in this game, that it probably would have been mentioned for a day or two and then kind of pushed to the side. Um, it's a, yeah, it's lousy. But you know what? The U.S. also was the, was the I guess, not the beneficiary. It was you know, something similar in the semifinal against England. Went to a penalty, and that one was, I think, pretty tight also. Where in the 80th minute they were up 2-1, and there was a there was something, and they went back to went back to the video to check, and they gave him the penalty. No, she missed the shot, but you know that's that was that. You know that being said, I don't love it either. You know I like in, you know is it, you're kind of cheat taking my thing where the objective makes sense, the subjective is very difficult. Call it or don't call it, and call it a day. I mean. 
this this is going back to video replay. I remember when I was in, we were in busy season. I was watching. I want to say it was Tennessee, Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, something like that. I was waiting for the Maryland game to start. This is college basketball. And the last minute and a half went 15 minutes. And I'm not exaggerating. It went 15 minutes. And Dick Vitale, of all people, was going insane, saying this is ridiculous. Every single foul, every single everything was going back to the video, video replay. You've been trained to be a ref. You've been trained to be an ump. You've been trained to be a back judge. Whatever the heck you've been trained to be. Do your job. If you make a mistake, that's, that's life. We all, we all make them. We all move on. But I can. But to spend, it just takes away from the flow and it takes away from the energy of the game. So I completely agree with you. Ladies and gentlemen, Seth completely agrees with me on soccer. Soccer. Yeah. So it's once a year. Yeah. Well. Okay. So one more one more topic before we we have to close. So I wanted your opinion. Now we're going to go to another sport, which Sean knows very little about. He doesn't even know this. Coco. What is her last name? She beat Venus. Oh, sorry, you faded out. You're talking about Coco Goff? There you go. Coco Goff. The, the so Coco Goff beat Venus. is only allowed to play in, I believe, four more events in this annual year until she turns 16. The men Mm -hmm. are allowed to play in a lot more events than the women are here. And this is all due to the flame-out of Jennifer Capriati. And that's the reason why they put these restrictions in for women and men going forward when you're 14, 15, 16, and 17 years old. Now, what I didn't know until I read an article about this, I didn't realize because we were pretty young at the time, is that Martina Hingis actually retired at 22. So everything that she did, aside from the doubles, which she later came back, was before the age of 22, which is phenomenal when you think about it. Do you agree with the limitations being placed on a 14-year-old tennis prodigy? Now, I can understand it in the... In the 80s and 90s, when, when there wasn't a spectacle and everybody wasn't watching you, but he, look, every sport does this, right? Every sport has a minimum cutoff. The NFL, you can't get into the draft until you're a junior or a third-year sophomore. Baseball, you're going to high school. You can't play before high school, uh, co- sorry, graduation of high school or your third year. Basketball, you can't play, at least for now, until the end of your freshman year. Each, each of these major sports has – but none of these sports do you peak so early like you may in tennis or in golf. Do you think the restrictions are valid? Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Did you just compare yeah. the peaking in golf? I did because Michelle Wee has, has. That's it, Michelle Wee. Come on, we have no idea if Michelle Wee has peaked or not. Her popularity is peaked. Okay, but that's fair. Okay, so let's just knowledgeable so let's enough. Just, that's that's probably true. Okay, so let's just use tennis. 
So I have asserted that the peak of tennis, rightfully or wrongfully, is before the age of 30. I don't think, there's, I don't think you can question that. Before the age of 30 is your peak for tennis. Before your age Have of 30, you seen the peak for Have you seen the Have you seen what the ages of the top three people in the men's draw? Is that a reflection on peak or lack of talent? Um, I'm getting... I'm getting no response. Not sure. Yeah, not sure. Um, okay. It's difficult to match the talent level of Jock Nadal and um, – okay, I'll concede your point. That prior to 30 is typically peak for tennis. It's probably your peak for tennis, and I would think it's even less for, for women's tennis. Why? Why? Why would you think it'd be less for women's? Placed on athletes. Sorry, what'd you say? I said, do you agree with the restrictions being placed on these younger athletes? <sighs> oh, okay. Um, I'll be honest. I haven't really thought about it. I do. You th- Look, I I think if you are 15 years old and you are good enough to be a professional tennis player, there's the problem. I would prefer to have had it later. It's the age does make me a little bit uncomfortable. Um, But again, if you're playing three tournaments, four tournaments, five tournaments, where it's at least a little bit leveled. Because again, Capriati, I think I'm 13. I remember correctly, and we didn't talk about this before the show. So I, I'm trying to remember back, but um, I, I don't love it in tennis more than most any other. There's there's been enough talent to be successful at the 16, at the 17, 18, 19 age. To kind of put your foot in the water, fifteen kind of hurt is a little bit rough. But six, I mean, at least at sixteen, you're getting a driver's license for God's sakes. Um, fifteen seems a little young. I would prefer a little bit older than that, but I, I think I'm splitting hairs because, as you said, you peak probably at twenty, you know, probably in your, your mid twenties from an athlete. You're, I should, you're not going to peak much better than your mid twenties to your late twenties in, in in a sport as physically taxing as tennis. So I guess if you have to go in at 15 or 16, you know, Michael Chang won the French at 17. Uh, Boris Becker won Wimbledon at 17. It's, you know, you said Capriati, I think, was at 13. It's a difficult, it's a difficult call. It really is. Because it's it's such it's also such a sport that's you're separate from it's a soul sport. I'm kind of play, playing around a little bit with this because I haven't really thought about it. But you know all these other sports, tennis, you know basketball, baseball, football, whatever. Yes, you may peak in your, but you're playing with all teams. With tennis, it's all you one way or the other. I mean, you don't see too. I'm trying to the other sport that would make sense is boxing. You don't see too many 16 or 17 year old boxers who win world championships. They're in the amateurs. It is a real hard stretch. 
to go any lower, I think, than 17 for me. Just is. Hello? Hello? Sean was so bored by my answer that he actually disappeared. Hello, Sean. Um, I have no idea where he went. And I wasn't really going to touch on Wimbledon until next week. So I don't really have much of a response to kind of to go with that. Um, huh. Okay. So I'll hold off on tennis for now and just kind of go where I thought we were going to go, which is a little bit of an easier, uh, to be honest, an easier place. Let me see. Yes, Morgan. And I just kind of, because I thought the last 10 minutes, to be honest, we would talk about the MVP about kind of the baseball. Let's see if we can get back up here. Hold on. So now I just, so those, for those of you who are confused, what happened? So am I. Um, all right. So Jakey. So suddenly now Jake is. For those of you that are confused as to what happened, I got logged off and I was sitting in the lobby. So here we are back. <laughs> okay. So All right. So we got four more minutes. So what were you saying about baseball? Quick. I was going to go our half year awards, but we can wait till next week on that. I figure. Yeah. We have two minutes. I'll let, you, I'll let you take that. I'll let you take the last two. All right. So again, you know, it's every. It seems like every week that I send condolences out to somebody. And it's unfortunate that I keep doing it. Today, again, on the day of the show, I get notice notification that Greg Johnson, and I know Seth is like, who is Greg Johnson? Greg Johnson was the sec, is passed away today at 48 years old, the second captain of the Nashville Predators after Tom Fitzgerald, an Islander fan, an Islander, uh, ex-Islander. And it just seems like guys that Seth and I played with in, in NHL 92 or NHL 94 are passing away, and you have to ask yourself why. And I'm hoping that there is more studying done with hockey like there was with football. And unfortunately, CTE is not something that you can test while you're alive. But And look, the – If you, show, if you saw John Lucroy, John Lucroy, the Cavs, the Angels, got run over. And when I say run over, go look at it on YouTube. Broken nose, run over as a catcher. The first thing that happened was he came out of the game. Concussion problems. We saw this in the World Cup. The, the girl goes up, concussion problems, not coming back in. This is the right way to go. For all of those people that say, I want the old NFL, I want the old NHL, I want the old soccer, look at these players, these ex-players that are 48 years old and passing away. Something has to be done. They're going the right path. Safety first. Next week, we'll talk about our Major League Baseball picks. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer, BackSportsPage.com, Blog Talk Radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.